10, 9. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast with J-Man. Brought to you by Galant Media. Here's your host, J-Man. So you've been doing a lot of like, are your shows back in studio yet, or are they still? Uh, no, Janelle uh, is only in studio. Angie and I are broadcasting from our basements. Okay. And how do you like that? I love it. Yeah, you'd like to do it the rest of your life. Is that I love that it. way? Totally. It's a very long commute in the morning, seventeen seconds from the master bedroom to the basement. Right. Super simple. Well, go figure. Eh? That's- there was the times where we we were afraid of the automation because it was going to take our jobs, and now it's yeah. keeping them alive. It's all good. Okay. So you said you have about like you know thirty minutes is kind of like your yeah. Okay. yeah. That's your that's your max. Okay. So I'll just I'll I won't keep you long. Um. So obviously, How are like, you? Uh, oh, I'm I'm good, Stu. <laughs> Twenty. What, what is this? Like I I was at the Barrett in that was two thousand. So it's been, yeah. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh my god! Like it's been 23 years. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a whole lifetime. And so like people are like, oh, how do you like like how do you know Stu? I'm like, oh, I, you know, I worked with Stu. And they're like, realistically, what I did is I pulled his CDs. That's what, <laughs> that's what I really did. I pulled. What's a CD? <laughs> so yeah, just, and then you know when I'm doing my my research because I was gone for some period of time. Like there's a lot of things that I just weren't aware uh, that you had accomplished, and yeah. you've you've done a lot of stuff, man, over the past. I've done a few things, one or two, one or two things. Yeah. So I mean, a few things. I'll just slide into a couple of them, right? So obviously there was the the PA announcer at the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. And then the No More Bullies. Yeah. That was a big thing. You're responsible very proud for of that. a couple of hashtags. Uh, Stu Strong one and two. Yeah. Kick cancer in the balls twice. Recipient of the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Medal. You I bought are, that, by the way. You are regal. <laughs> you are now regal. And the <laughs> Ottawa Mayor's City Builder Award. And you have your own stinking street, for crying out loud. Well, that's a Photoshop, actually. That's oh, a, did it's not you a real really? thing. Okay. Yes. I thought you were going to have one for sure. Well, no, I think- I'm, trying, I'm trying to get the city of Ottawa to change the name of my street to Stuntman Street, but it's falling on deaf ears. I, I think this might help, brother. I think you deserve <laughs> okay. it. So obviously, this is Stuntman Stu right here on the Launchpad Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, friend. Anytime, my friend. Yeah, so we were just saying that it was 20 years, 23 years, actually, since I first met you uh, at the Bear. You weren't Stuntman Right then, you were already Stuntman Stu before, before you got to the Bear, correct? Uh, no, I was actually crowned Stuntman at the Bear uh, in January of 96 by Doc and Woody. Okay, wow. I, I, I did a stunt that morning, and uh, for them, I was volunteering on the show. I came back, and Doc and Woody said, you need a handle. You need some kind of nickname. So they, you know, uh, a bunch of different names they were thinking of. I, I remember they were thinking of Studman Stu, Superman Stu, and then Doc said, what about Statman Stu? And I said, Doc, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, so many years 26 later. 26 years later. That's crazy. And let me throw in there, he is also the current morning man at Move 100.3. And that is newly branded. You guys just recently made a flip? Yeah, it was my decision. I, I, you know, I came back from being off for a year with cancer. And I said, 
If I'm coming back, we're changing the name. So Angie and Janelle said, good, good. okay, we'll do that. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on a couple of things as well that I know that are really near and dear to you. And, you know, I've been following you on social media, like so many talking about PTSD, mental health, all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I want to move from back in the day where I used to pull your CDs at the bear. And <laughs> so for people that don't know at the bear, there used to be this wall of CDs and we would have to put them in these carts and then press a button to make them play. And it was my responsibility as the overnight guy to make sure that Stuntman Stu had all his music to play. But in all fairness, we had to do it for everybody. The next year, exactly. we had to pull the CDs. So we all went through it. We all had to do it, but that is how I, I mostly connected with Stuntman Stu. Now, I left in 2006 to actually pursue a career that I wasn't going to have at the Bear because of big shots like you that already had all the <laughs> primetime spots. And that's when you made your first departure, uh, well, from me since knowing you, and you went to the team at that point. So I had spent 10 years working for rock radio and said, you know, I've pretty much done everything I wanted to do, to do in rock radio. So let's go to sports radio. So I went to the team 1200. Okay. And now I'm curious, is that what led to you being the PA guy at the Ottawa Senators? No, but the timing couldn't have been any better. I volunteered, uh, sorry, I auditioned for the Ottawa Senators in the summer of 2006 at the same time, I was negotiating a deal to, you know, jump ship. So all the uh, ducks lined up. Okay. And I don't know if it's going to take too much out of you, but can you just give me a small call? Senator's goal scored by number nine in the middle enough, Bobby Ryan. <laughs> That's awesome. Was he one of your faves? Is that why he just totally. came to mind? Totally. And what was it about him that you like so much? Uh, you know, announcing the name like that was always a lot of fun because the fans would get into it. He's, uh, you know, a great guy, too. Uh, but uh, I just love the guy. Yeah. And what a year to be doing that. Their first year, they had a really good, successful run. Did they make it all the way to the finals that year? Uh, yeah, they did. They went all the way to the Stanley Cup finals my first year. And I'm like, well, I get used to this. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what did you learn the most? What was the number one takeaway from doing something like that? Um. <laughs> Always uh, learn how to pronounce somebody's name, oh. you know, double and triple check because I got burned a lot of times, right. but, you know, enjoy every moment. Okay. You would think with our radio background, we'd know better. Exactly. <laughs> like how many years in and you're still doing that? Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, I forget to press record when I'm doing a, a podcast. Luckily, I haven't made it too deep in. Actually, Theo Fleury, sticking with hockey, I started the interview with Theo and I didn't have a recording. And thank God I caught it two minutes Oof. in. I would have been so upset because that was a hard one to lock down. Yeah. Uh, so let's transition from being PA in the NHL to two pretty cool experiences, I'd have to think. And I remember the first one vividly, 2010, because it was on Canadian soil. And you got to do some PA work at the Vancouver Olympics. I did. I was lucky enough to get the gig for announcing women's hockey at the alternate venue, and it was a blast. You know, once I was done my work there, a good friend of mine, Dan Greenberg, said, hey, I'm in Vancouver with my wife, and I've got a bunch of friends. You want to tag along? So we went to all the gold medal games, and I got to see Sid's goal in person. Oh, wow. That's super awesome. And then you got to do it again in 2014. Yeah, I was in Sochi uh, announcing women's hockey again and doing a couple of men's games and being over there was quite the experience that, you know, the Russians, uh, the Russian people love, love their culture. They're very proud of their culture. 
no, we didn't talk politics when I was over there. They're just a, a great group of people. And if you had to choose between one or the other, which would have been the better experience? Um, definitely Vancouver because it was on our soil. You know, right. you know, nothing compares to being on Canadian soil. But you know, uh, being in Sochi, just being that far away from home was also a cool experience. Right. And then right in between, we're going to start getting into these hashtags. And you said you were really proud of the No More Bullies movement. Uh, and I can't think of something that really suits you better. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but when you were doing it, it was just, it was so genuine. And I, and I did some reading up on it, and apparently you were someone that was bullied. And yeah. that was, I guess, just really surprising to me because I don't know many people that have stood next to you. But I mean, you're, you're a pretty strong guy of a pretty good height. And I guess it just wasn't always that way. Or what was it that you were teased for? I didn't uh, blossom into the studly looking guy that I am now until right. much later in life. But I was a nerd in high school. I got picked on, you know, for having braces, not being in the cool crowd and uh, just not fitting in. And, you know, I got beat up a lot. And, and uh, you know, it's it finally uh, one morning we were talking about a bowling issue in 2011 on the morning show. And I said, I can't believe this is still going on. And the, the phone lines lit up. And we talked about the bullying all morning, uh, which we didn't plan to. And I got home after the show and I tweeted, if I have to visit every high school and preach an anti-bullying message, I will. And I hashtag no more bullies. First thing that came to mind, I went for my, my nap. I woke up a couple hours later, it was, it was a couple of thousand retweets later. And I'm like, oh, shit, I guess we got to do this. Right. So we assembled the, t- <laughs> we assembled the team, put together a solid team with some help from uh, YouthNet at Chio and you know, I talked to over 10,000 students over the course of four years. Wow. Wow. And what was the most rewarding thing of that experience? Uh, hearing from parents uh, who had their kids come home from school and say, my kid, my, my, my nine-year-old just came home and said that you guys were at their school. You made a difference. My kids listened to your presentation. And, you know, they've had a lot of people come and speak, but you guys resonated with them. So that was very gratifying to hear. Right. You're a good man, Stu. <laughs> you know what? I, I've always liked you. And when doing this research, I'm like, yeah, I know Stu. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so happy to be linked to you somehow by a sliver. But I'm like, yeah, I used to pull this dude's CDs. <laughs> oh, man. I used to be very envious of your voice. You know, truth be told. Really? I love your voice. Oh, well, thank you, Stu. That's very nice. And uh, yeah, I, I really... I. I attribute my my radio career, which ended just a few years ago now, really, uh, to the people that I got to be put in front of at such a young age. I'm fresh out of college and I'm working with people like yourself. And you were always just amazing to me for someone that had already accomplished quite a bit in radio at that time and working with other people like Wendy Daniels, Kath Thompson, just Mm. to be around these pros that... I'm glad that for those six years, I didn't have too much of an ego to where I was able to sit back and absorb a lot of the stuff that you guys did day to day that made me the radio announcer that I was moving forward with this golden voice. Well, you couldn't have too much of an ego at the bear with people like Kath Thompson and Wendy Daniels who put that ego in check. Trust me, I, I was put in my place a lot. So yeah, you with, get sized up pretty quickly. Without question. So let's move into the bulk of you know why I had you on here. And 
I don't know why I was surprised, but I have had a number of people reach out to me, Stu, since I announced that you were going to be on the podcast, wanting to get in contact with you or telling me how much of an impact that you've had on them. One lady said, could you just ask Stu, like, what are some of the things that I could do to kick this in the butt? All those types of things, because not only have you kicked cancer in the balls once, you've done it twice. And the first time you were diagnosed is in 2016. And would this just be the typical life was going great. Everything was on a fantastic trajectory. And then totally. all of a sudden, what happens? Uh, you get knocked. Uh, you get hit by a, a brick truck head on and you don't know why it's happening what you did wrong, but you embrace what happens and you have to jump on board the roller coaster ride that it is and go through all the highs and lows and just take it as it comes. Right. And the Stu Strong movement, who came up with that hashtag? Was that you? No. A uh, good friend of mine. Uh, so a Angie on the morning show is married to Adam Cote. So we were having group chat the night I was diagnosed with my wife and the, and the three of them. And, you know, Adam said at one point in the chat before it went public, hashtag too strong. You'll, you'll, you'll beat this buddy. And it, it took off. I, and when we announced, when I went public with, with, with the announcement, uh, a couple of days later, I approached the auto hospital. I said, listen, if I'm going to sit in a hospital bed for like three months, I can't do this without raising money. So we, they, we all came up with, with, a, with an idea to raise money for the stem cell leukemia research at the auto hospital using the hashtag Sue Strong. We sold merch. We had people raising money and uh, that's how it started. Right. So that moment, what's the first thought when you get diagnosed? Uh, well, I was alone. I was, I had a, a friend of mine with me, uh, Dr. Chow from the Ottawa Senators. Don Chow was with me, uh, because I reached out to him earlier in the evening. I said, something's wrong. So he drove me to the hospital and we were sitting there with the oncologist who's told, looked at me and said, it's bad. And I said, what is it? She goes, it's leukemia. And I said, is that cancer? And she goes, yes. I said, can we beat it? She says, yes. And then I looked at, at Doc Chow and he said, um, you're going to be the cancer survivor that everyone wants emceeing their golf tournaments. You're going to, you're going to beat this. And after that, it's all a blur. But uh, actually I remember, you know, the, the dumbest things you think about, I was diagnosed on a Monday night and I was thinking, so I said to the doctor, I said, how long do I have to be here? She goes, you're going to be here for a while. I said, this doesn't work doc. I'm supposed to emcee an event on Friday with Angie at Brook street. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. So, <laughs> And then, then I called my wife. So everything after that's a blur. Right. And actually, you know what? It's funny. You bring up the MC stuff. That's always what I've admired most about you, your MC work. You are phenomenal. How many languages do you speak, by the way? Enough to get the, the, uh, the money going in a live auction. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the keywords. You got the keywords down. Yeah. Okay. So we get diagnosed uh, in 2016. Is that when the PTSD kicked in or was it only until a little bit later on that you started realizing that there were some residual effects from having gone through that? It was uh, about a year later when I started to feel the effects because, you know, I was just approaching a year and I was getting excited, but I was also getting very anxious. 
I was going back to the hospital for multiple checkups. And every time I went back to the hospital, I would have like many panic attacks, even approaching uh, the emergency room because the, the emergency room is not is down the hall from the clinic that I go to uh, for my checkup. So every time I saw the sign for the emergency, I'm like, oh, shit, I can't go anywhere near there. Right. So it uh, it took a toll on on me for a number of years. And, you know, then you get diagnosed again in 2020 and it all comes back. So what are those signs of PTSD? So for me, I lost my mother five years ago to cancer. Um, and I don't actually speak about it a whole bunch. Uh, she had pancreatic cancer. And I started reading up on PTSD and realizing that I had some symptoms, but I didn't know, like you don't know things that you just don't know. So for someone yeah. right now that might be going through something like that, but just doesn't know, what are the signs that there's something wrong and you need to get your mental health in check? So, uh, you know, every, it's different for everybody. For me, I, like my vision like goes into a haze. I don't know what's going on. I can't understand what somebody's saying to me. I'm, I'm breathing really heavy and um, I'm just kind of freaked out. And that, that, that's what happened to me. I'm taking medication for it to calm my nerves a little bit, but you, you get really agitated, you get disoriented, you, get, uh, you kind of get freaked out. Right. And how did that affect your day to day? Uh, with my kids, it was, it was help. Um, you know, the kids had to learn to navigate around, uh, around daddy. And, you know, we're finally coming around to the good side. It's been a long five years, especially with the pandemic, you know, plus a second round with cancer. But, you know, the kids are resilient and, and, and they understand, you know, daddy's upset and it's not their fault. It's, you know, daddy's dealing with some issues. I still let the PTSD but we have a deal. I let them come in and have fun in my brain, you know, mess around. Okay, PTSD, you can have about 10 minutes in here, then get out. Mm-hmm. So I let, the, let it in and then get it out. Right. And then, okay, as you've mentioned a couple of times, you had to deal with it again. Yeah. Now, the first time around, it seemed like obviously you had a very good circle in place. And right off the bat, someone gave you that hope that, listen, you know, you're going to do some good with this, right? And you you built up a great following on top of an amazing following that you already had with the Stu Strong movement and the years that you put into radio, the network that you've built up within the NHL. I remember um, all the hockey teams around the NHL, uh, you know, kind of putting their collective arms around you and and giving you that hope and and that need to, to want to move forward. In 2020, and please be as raw as you need to be. You get diagnosed again. Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I couldn't imagine it either. I, you know, in my brain, I was naive and I thought I'll beat this. And I was getting back on track. I was getting to be the old me again. And I was on a, a toward pace, uh, not the same schedule that I had uh, prior to 2016, but I was getting to about half what I used to do. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, bam it hits me again and i'm like what the fuck really what did i do like why but i i had that why moment for about 10 minutes and i said okay fuck it uh we're gonna beat this again i don't know how because it's much harder the second time uh they give you about a 40 percent chance uh for a second bone marrow transplant 
and I knew the odds. And, you know, I talked with my wife about the odds. And when you face death uh, in the face, not once, but twice, you know, the only thing you have to do is hope. And uh, you ignore all the noise and you just look straight ahead and find a way somehow to beat it. Now, I know this might be cliche, and we said why just a second ago, almost like in, in a negative context, but what would be the most positive why? Why was it Stuntman Stu? Uh, because this guy has a big mouth. He's got a few followers, and he, he, he can use his platform you know, to not make the world a better place. That's, that's not what I'm thinking, but to share positivity. Um, I, went, I was negative for a very long time on social media. And my wife said, listen, you're not going to get anywhere being negative. Just mm -hmm. be yourself. Right. And, you know, forget all the bullshit. Let's focus on positive energy. And I'm trying to get rid of that negative energy every day. I try to let negativity not dominate too much of, of my daily life because just it eats at you and just doesn't do any good for your body. So I think it got me because leukemia, not that it needed a platform, but a lot of people you know, it showed up on their radar. Uh, this healthy guy can get cancer. I can get sick too. So I've heard from thousands of people in the last five years, you know, who've been affected with leukemia and other cancers and reach out to me and always ask me for advice. And I pretty much tell them all the same thing. You know, it's a roller coaster ride. Just jump on, embrace it, have some shitty days. Um, you know, use and abuse your friends. Uh, you know, I never wanted to ask people for, for help. I was the guy that would get help. I, I never wanted to ask. I felt guilty asking people for help. But I always tell people, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to lean on people. It's okay to lean on your friends. And uh, that's hard. That was hard for me. Right. And I know that you had incredible support from your wife. You've been with forever. That's bad. <laughs> it's going on forever. Now, for people that don't have that support system, you know, that don't have those friends are there, are there some resources that maybe they can search out and also please take this as an opportunity to give her some love and score some brownie points <laughs> uh without her i mean i wouldn't be here she is my rock she is the one at home who handles all the things with the kids with school i'm pretty much the the cook and the the dishwasher guy um and the guy who bitches and whines about a lot of things but uh she's the one that keeps his family together uh, that's the that's, that's the truth but for people that are not so lucky, I always tell people that, you know, speak to your oncologist. There are people that at the hospital you can talk to. There's a community out there of survivors, of people that are going through it. As I went through it for the first time in 2016, a friend of mine uh, was in hospital and I reached out to him and I said, hey, uh, we're about the same age. You're going through this. How do I deal with this? So he walked me through um, those early steps. And even now I, I'm communicating with people, uh, with patients regularly that are in the hospital, you know, that are asking me, hey, did you have this? How did it affect you? And I'm very honest with people. I, I don't sugarcoat anything. I'll tell people, you know, what they want to, maybe not what they want to hear, but I tell people what they need to hear. Right. Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I, I challenge doctor's advice. That's not what I'm, I'm right. suggesting, but I, I'm telling them what, what will really happen based on my experience. Mm -hmm. And now for the regular person, and I hear this over and over, and People sometimes just don't know how to act or they think that there's a certain way that they have to act around somebody that's sick, uh, things of that nature. Like, do you have any advice out there for just 
the person that's a friend of someone that is maybe going through something like this and just not knowing how to be, how should just they be? be? Your, just be yourself. I mean, okay. don't try and be something that you're not. If somebody's going through a life, uh, uh, you know, situation, just be yourself. Now, I use humor a lot because that's a coping mechanism for me. But you, you use whatever uh, that works for you. But just be yourself. All right. And. Just a couple more questions because I know that you're <laughs> you only have so much wind in you and you have a very very busy day. And Stu, again, I can't even thank you enough to to jump on and have this conversation because there's so many people that need to see your face, hear your voice. Um, you sure about this? Ah, hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you prick. <laughs> good old j-man right yeah i have not changed i have not changed um but we had, we had mentioned your accomplishments and i i want to touch on those a little bit because they should be celebrated uh the queen elizabeth ii jubilee medal uh, what is it like to receive an honor like that and if you can please just explain exactly why you got that honor well, um, I begged her, I begged the queen. I said, please, I need this for my wall in the basement, please. Uh, but it wasn't from her. It was uh, from the governor general and, um, you know, indirectly from her uh, for volunteering. So I've done a few volunteer events. I've emceed a few things over the years and I volunteered a little bit here and there. And I was recognized for that. So it's, uh, you don't do this, this gig for awards or for the recognition. I mean, it's nice when you get it. You know, it's great for the ego. Hey, look what I got. But at the end of the day, when you're helping, you know, a family, you know, or a, or, or, or a group organization in the community by showing up and emceeing, it's, it's, it's what we do. It's part of the job. But it's, it, I've always said that if you expect people in the community to listen to your show or parts of your show, the least you can do is go out and emcee something. You can't emcee everything. You know, you, I used to do that, but I can't do it anymore. But if you can share something on Facebook uh, or you can draw awareness to something, you know, that's, that's why we're on the radio. That's why we're, we're in broadcasting. Right. And the Ottawa mayor's city builder award, which I'm not as familiar with, believe it or not. <laughs> well, you know, the mayor thinks I'm a great city builder. No, actually it was from uh, the um, uh, no more Boldies campaign. We received that uh, back when Trisha and Angie were on the show and when, it, when and I'm still on the show with Angie, but we used to do a show with Trisha and before we had Jan uh, Janelle, and uh, we were rec recognized for the No More Bullies campaign. Right. And let's talk about what you're doing right now. Still in radio, still kicking butt, still making jokes. Uh, and you're at the, the station that has flipped, Move 100.3. Yeah. And tell people about why they should be taking a listen to this station and what's new with, you know, that and you. Well, uh, nothing's new with me. I'm the same guy, uh, same guy that's been doing bad jokes on the radio for 25 years. So the same guy that was, you know, duct taped to a pole, street pole on Richmond Road in, uh, in 1997, having listeners come down and throw eggs at me. I'm the, I'm the same guy. I'm just a little older and wiser and a little bit more lines on my face. And, uh, you know, working to move is, uh, is really cool. It's a brand new name. It's a brand new, uh, approach. It's same staff. Uh, bigger contest just a basically what i tell people take your 25 year old kitchen and do a refresh you know take down the cupboards you're still living in that home but you're getting a new countertop you're getting new appliances 
you're having a brand new kitchen. Move is basically a brand new kitchen. Well, Stu, anything else you want to throw in there? Like here, like I'm just going to give you the floor, and if there's something that's close to your heart that you want to get out there, please do. You know, just try and survive this pandemic. You know, I was on another podcast recently, and you know, the lady asked me, she said, "Do you have any advice for parents?" I said, "We're all doing it wrong. There is no rule book for this pandemic. You know, we're all going batshit crazy. You know, we're all." going through, you know, our mental health challenges, there is no guidebook to get through this. It's just day by day, you know, week by week, we will eventually get through this. We'll look back on it years from now and have a good laugh. Well, thank you once again, Stuntman Stu. And I'd like to thank the viewer for watching once again to the launchpadpodcast.com. Make sure that you head online and favorite that son of a gun. And if you haven't just yet, make sure you head over to youtube.com slash jmanisalive and subscribe. You take care. Be well. J-Man. Yes. Metallica is coming up next. But first, it's J-Man live on location with another Bear Bash. Hey, J-Man. What's going on? <laughs> hey, how you doing, Stuntman? Stuart at the Embram, Lucky 7. And we're having one hell of a good time. <laughs> How's that? Good? Awesome. 106.9. Oh, the Bear. The Bear. <laughs> Thanks, man. So All this right. is fun.